great to be here this morning. Um, we, are, um, we are finishing up this morning. It's our second to last week of our viral series in Acts. And so it's an honor to be able to be here this morning and share with you guys uh, the, the second to last passage of Scripture. And so uh, next week we'll have our final week. And then a week after that we start a new series. Uh, our lead pastor, Jay, over here will start our new series called uh, Unique. And it's going to be really, really good. Uh, I encourage you to, you want to be here for that. It's going to be, it's going to be excellent. So I have a question for you this morning. Um, have you ever wanted to be famous? Have you ever wanted to be famous? If, if you're honest in here, have you, ever, have, you, have you ever wanted to be famous? Anybody here, I've wanted to be famous. I admit it, all of you that don't have your hands raised, uh, I know you are not telling the truth. Yeah. The first uh, famous I wanted to be when I was younger was uh, Robin Hood. I had my own uh, bow and arrow, and I used to shoot all kinds of things. Um, not my siblings, but definitely uh, trees, and I would aim, I'll be honest with you, I would aim for small animals. I would never, I would never hit them. Uh, the next thing was uh, I wanted to be Pistol Pete Maravich. All right, I watched a movie on WTBS um, and, uh, about Pistol Pete, and he was an incredible basketball player. And so I saw all of his uh, uh, the, the, his uh, drills that he would do, how he got good. And so I would dribble the ball in between my legs. And I knew that if, honestly, if I really wanted to, I mean, I could play in the NBA when I got older, but um, my desires changed. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to pursue that. I'm going to pursue the Lord instead. And um, the last thing was that I wanted, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to be a rock star. And um, uh, anybody else want to be a, when you were young, you want to be a rock star? Any, any former, there we go. I, yes, amen, I see that hand. Yes, all right. Yeah. I wanted, to, I wanted to play music, and I wanted to stand on stage, and I wanted to, uh, uh, you know, be a rock star. So much so that I went to a, a concert. It was a Christian concert, but at the time it was one of the biggest Christian artists, musical rock stars, whatever that means, all right, um, at, during that time. I was about 19 years old, and I saw, yes, Third Day. Any, any Third Day fans in here? Mac Powell, lead singer. I was with a group. We had made our way to the backstage. It was glorious. I saw Mac Powell, and he came out, and he introduced himself to us like we didn't already know his name. He already was ahead of the curve. He had the Alabama swoosh going on, and he'd just do this. He was like, what's up, guys? And um, so he was talking to us. He said, well, what, what do you guys do? Tell me what you guys do. And so some of the group, they were like, you know, I'm in school. And others were like, you know, I have a job. I work at Subway. And, and I was like, I'm going to be a rock star. And he just laughed at me. And I said, keep laughing, Mac. All right? This is true. I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to stand on stage where, where uh, you are. And he just kind of laughed at me. He got kind of awkward, uh, you know, for a moment. And then he kind of turned around and left. And so anyway, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a rock star. And then... Um, Things changed, and uh, I made some different decisions in my life. Um, but being famous at the end of the day is different than starting a movement. Fame is different than starting a movement. But fame is all about the individual. A movement is about people. Fame is about elevating an individual. A movement is about elevating people. With fame, the individual wins, but with a movement people win. And so today's passage of Scripture tells us the story of the beginning of the greatest movement in church history, but it's not famous. It's Acts chapter 11. It's not super famous. Tucked away in the middle of this chapter, we see a shift 
from what looks to be a story about a famous person named Jesus to a movement that turned the whole world upside down, and it was done so by a bunch of no-name people. There's not even really any famous people in this passage of Scripture. There are no individual stars here, but you could even say it's the moment that the gospel went viral. So Acts chapter 11, if you have your uh, Bibles with you, you can pull those out. Otherwise, the Scripture is on the screen. Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. Because of the persecution triggered by Stephen's death in Jerusalem, if you remember uh, several weeks ago, we talked about the first martyr that we see in Scripture uh, was Stephen. He was killed for his faith, and he was uh, stoned to death, and uh, his clothes were laid at the feet of the apostle, uh, well, later on it became the apostle Paul, but at that time was a religious leader named Saul. Many of the believers were scattered. Some reached as far as the coast of Lebanon, the island of Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. But they were still only preaching the word to Jews. However, if you have your Bible, circle that word. That's a, that's a big word. However, some of the believers from Cyprus and Cyrene who had come to Antioch and Syria preached to the non-Jews living there, the Gentiles, proclaiming the message of salvation in the Lord Jesus. The mighty power of the Lord was with them as they ministered, and a large number of people believed and turned their hearts to the Lord. Last week, Pastor Mark preached a message, Acts chapter 10, talked about Simon Peter who had had a vision from heaven. In fact, it happened three times. There was a big sheet a blanket that came down from the heavens. It landed on the ground, and on it were animals. And so he heard this voice. It said, uh, Simon Peter, uh, rise, kill, and eat. And Simon Peter said, no, I can't do that. These are not kosher foods for Jews. I'll never do that. I'll never eat something unclean. I never have. I never will. And the vision happens three times, over and over and over again. And the word of the Lord was, don't call unclean what I've called clean. Right after that, Simon Peter goes to a guy's house named Cornelius. He is a Roman soldier, and he goes to uh, Cornelius' house. He was a Gentile, and who they are all uh, led to Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit. And the message is out that Jesus loves sinners, including Gentiles. And so Simon Peter goes back to Jerusalem, but what we see here is that it looks like when everybody made it back to Jerusalem, little happens after that. He just heads back there, and it seems like this message, this unbelievable message that the gospel is now open to all of us, just kind of fades a little bit. Somewhere along the way, the Christians are scattered, and some go to Antioch. And so Antioch is a very important city. It's the third largest city in the Roman Empire at this time. The, the first would be Rome. The next would be Alexandria. The, uh, the third would be Antioch. It's a very cosmopolitan city. There's people from all over the area that have, that have moved into the city. It's huge. It's very, very diverse. All kinds of different beliefs, different religions, people practicing all kinds of things. A few Jews a lot of pagans, a lot of Gentiles, all right? And some people leave and show up at Antioch. And so because of the persecution, Jews are forced from Jerusalem, and a few go down to the city, and they start telling these people in Antioch that the way of Jesus is actually available to them. Now, remember, Simon Peter had this message. It was given to him. And some of these people, we don't even hear what their name is. It just says, some Christians. And so they leave Jerusalem, they're scattered all over, and some, some people go to a different city, Cyprus and Cyrene, but a few show up in Antioch, and they start to share 
this message. And the church absolutely explodes. It starts the greatest Jesus-sharing, church-planting movement, not just of that day, but in world history. In world history. In fact, that movement really can't be overstated. Many of the, much of the reason why you and I are even in this room today is because these no-name people came from Jerusalem, showed up in Antioch, and decided, you know what? We heard this revelation that Jesus loves sinners, and we're going to try this thing out and share it with people that aren't Jews. You and I are in this room today because of Acts chapter 11 and the no-names. It cannot be overstated. So it's in Jerusalem that Jesus is made famous, but it's in Antioch that it becomes a movement. The message of Jesus becomes a movement. So, so what makes a movement? What, what is the difference between seeing Jesus as famous and Jesus the way, salvation, as a movement? What are the qualifiers that bring about an absolute movement? There's a difference between the two. So I have, I have three quick points this morning. If you're taking notes, you're welcome to write them down. Uh, or uh, if you're super cool, you can just take out your phone and take a picture of the screen. That way you don't even have to write. If you have terrible handwriting like I do, you know, chicken scratch on there, you just take a picture. So the first movement is this. The first uh, uh, point is this. Movement, a movement comes from going. All right? Pretty simple here. All right? Movement comes from moving. It comes from going. You can't stay here. The movement from Jerusalem to Antioch. So uh, I have three children. I remember the day I found out that Lindsay was pregnant with our very first, Sophia. And I remember we were, we were standing in the living room, and um, she, uh, she told me that she was pregnant. It was such a, it was a great moment. It was, it was all sweet and all that stuff. But what happened was I knew at that moment things were going to change. And I walked into uh, uh, the, the spare bedroom that we had, and at that time, it was my study. Now, I don't know what a uh, 26-year-old, you know, why, we would, why I would need a study. Uh, I never really studied in there, but I had a little chair and a guitar because I was still, you know, thinking about being a rock star. And, um, and so I, I remember I walked into the study, but it was no longer the study. It was now a nursery. Now, there were still, you know, burnt orange paint on the wall and, and a guitar and a, and a chair, but it was no longer Joel's study. It was now the nursery. Like, there was no nursery furniture in there. There wasn't a baby in there, but, but things have changed immediately. My favorite, probably, I would say this, probably my favorite ministry that we have here at this church is what is, uh, we call the Believer's Bayou. It's the, it's the bayou, all right? So the bayou is a worship service that we have in Critterland for our uh, 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 toddlers and our preschoolers. And so what happens is I've got twos, threes, fours, and five-year-olds. While you guys are in here listening to uh, me, this boring old sermon, all these little kids get to go, and they get to have their own worship service with little puppets and a little lesson, and they learn how to pray, and they learn how to give, and they learn... It's just a, it's a super fun uh, um, uh, environment in there. They sing a song on their way in. Uh, y'all come, y'all come. Come on down, believers, by you. It's so fun. I love it. All right. I would love to say, I, I would love to say that the bayou came from unbelievable vision inside of my heart. But the truth is, is that I found out that we were going to have a baby, and I thought, well, no baby of mine can just be in some regular old nursery. we got to blow this thing up, all right? And so I knew that we can't stay here. 
when I found out that I've got this new information, it's not little information, it is a new revelation. And my study became a nursery before it was ever a nursery. And our, our Critterland, our, our nursery and preschool ministry here, became, it had its own worship environment. All because I thought, well, we can't stay here. It can't stay like this. Things have to change. Simon Peter had a vision of this revelation that Jesus loves sinners and now the way of life is open to everyone. But somewhere along the way, after going home to Jerusalem, the church looks like it just kind of sat on that truth. They went back to their same friends and their family and their church and their neighbors to the familiar story. They were great people. They were doing great things, but God gave them fresh direction, and some of them went back home and just kind of sat on it. They went back to the familiar, and the new message just kind of faded. The problem is this. Familiar never goes viral. Safety never goes viral. Bold faith in mundane moments, now that, that may start a movement. Jerusalem was the birthplace of Christianity, but if you and I never develop past the birthplace of our faith and get moving, then guess what happens? Nothing. All right? And when nothing happens, nothing happens. Brilliant statement, I know. When nobody moves, nobody moves. You and I can have all the excitement and all the vision in the world, but if we don't do something with it, nothing happens. Vision without action is just daydreaming. And somewhere along the way, these no-name people from Jerusalem showed up in Antioch and they said, I have a revelation from Jesus. He loves sinners. Let me see what happens as I go. The greatest movement in world history happens here in Antioch, but it does not happen unless somebody leaves Jerusalem. You and I have the greatest message and the greatest promise in the history of the world that Jesus loves sinners. And so the question is, what do we do with the greatest revelation in the world? Do we take the message back to the familiar or do we step out into the unfamiliar? Is there movement somewhere in your life? Is there movement somewhere in my life? You don't have to get another job. You don't have to move houses. You don't have to go off someplace far away for the gospel to move in your life, but you might have to walk across the room. You don't, celebrating with the familiar is always easier than sharing with the unfamiliar. Celebrating our very real faith with those that agree and already believe is always easier than stepping out in the unfamiliar, but it will never produce a movement. Jerusalem produced a savior, but it was Antioch that sent him all over the world. You and I cannot stay in Jerusalem. We cannot stay here. Number two is this, a movement that comes from knowing. We can't do it alone. Acts chapter 11, verse 22 News of what was happening in Antioch reached the church in Jerusalem. All right, so they hear about it. And the apostles sent Barnabas to Antioch as their emissary. When he got there and witnessed for himself God's marvelous grace, he was enthused and overjoyed. He encouraged the believers to remain faithful and cling to the Lord with passionate hearts. Barnabas was a good man, full of the spirit of holiness, and he exuded a life of faith. Because of his ministry... 
Even more crowds of people were brought to the Lord. Verse 25, Barnabas left for Tarsus to find Saul and to bring him back to Antioch. Together, Saul and Barnabas ministered there for a full year, equipping the growing church and teaching the vast number of new converts. Have you ever met someone that just made everything better? Like anything you were doing, you wanted to invite them, you wanted to invite them to it. You wanted to invite them to the party. You wanted to add them to the mix. You just thought, all right, we're going to go down to the ballpark. We're going to go into a game. I got to get, you know, so, so I, I, I got to bring them down. I, I, this, is, this, is, this is Barnabas. Barnabas is a maximizer. Everywhere he goes and everything that he does, he tends to elevate. And it comes from his encouragement. He takes this message and he goes in and he just breathes this life into this environment and he just makes it awesome. It just, it just blows it up. But what makes Barnabas so powerful is his ability to not only see his strengths, but his own weaknesses and not hide them. So, so check this out. Barnabas is sent by the apostles to this movement that's already taken place in Antioch. The gospel's moving. There's all kinds of uh, powerful miracles that are taking place. And now, if you think about it, it's his chance that he can get into this movement, and now he's the man. He just got sent by the apostles. Like, he's the guy. He shows up on the scene. Things are happening. He's encouraging everybody. The, 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 the gospel is spreading. Even more things are taking place. And his first thought is this. You know who, you know who we don't have? Paul. Let's get Paul. Let's go get that guy. I think he can do even more. I think that the church, what the church needs, is more people who are not only on the move to share their faith, but also on the lookout for somebody to join them. Barnabas is here and he goes, man, this is a really cool place. God's jamming. But you know what? Like, I can do a few things. Like, I can realize that I can, that, that I can encourage these people and I can, I can move in this. But they need, they need more than this. Barnabas was an unbelievable disciple of Jesus, believer, follower of Jesus. But one of the things that makes him so dynamic in Scripture is that he's able to see his own limitations and go, you know what, I don't have to get all the attention. I don't have to get everybody to see me and everybody look at me. And look, 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 when Barnabas showed up on the scene, look what just happened. His first thought is, let me get this guy that's in another city to come back down here and let him teach them what he knows. And so basically he steps aside and he goes, hey, everybody, look, 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 look at this guy. Listen to him, like he's, he's pretty awesome. I think the most successful individuals, the ones making the most impact in the future, won't be famous ones, but ones that realize that they can't complete the work of God alone, and actually it's just simply more fun with other people. I think that the most successful churches in the future won't be the most famous ones, but the ones that realize that the work here is just too big for me, like we need more help. A movement comes from realizing that we can't do it alone. We truly are better together. Movements occur when people realize that the goal cannot be accomplished in isolation. In fact, isolation is the first step to elimination. It happens in our own personal lives. It happens, it happens individually. The moment we decide to cut off the, uh, the voices around us, the people that could encourage us, the people that could be in our life that uh, would walk alongside us. The moment that we step away from that is the moment that we are on the pathway to elimination. We are on the pathway to separating ourselves from what somebody else could pour into us 
Because life was meant to be lived with others. And the moment we isolate ourselves, we are on that trajectory to eliminate ourselves. So, so that's, why, that, that's why God puts us in families. That's why God sets the lonely in families. That's why this church is called the body of Christ. This is part of the body of Christ. Why? Because we are part of the family. And you could come here and, and honestly, you may not even have any family members. And yet because of the gospel, we can show up in here and we're actually a part of a family. But if we live and continue to live our lives in isolation, we never allow ourselves to join in on this family with all the messiness and, and, and all the awesome encouraging things and yet all the, I mean, can you imagine Barnabas showing up in Antioch with a bunch of people who had never heard the gospel before? They're non-Jews. They just, no-name people show up. It's, it's probably crazy. It's probably, look, there's probably a few problems going on. There may be some sinners in the group. I'm just saying, all right? It may be there. Can, can you imagine? And yet, and yet he's standing there and he goes, you know what we need? We, we need more people in this thing. Somehow he's not discouraged by it. He's encouraged by it. And he doesn't see. He, I guarantee you being so close to Jesus, he sees, the, he sees the messiness. And yet what does he point out? He points out what God is doing and where he's moving. And then he invites more people into it. Hey, Paul, come down here. These guys need to. I don't know what Paul's been doing. He's been in Tarsus for about eight years at this time. We don't, we don't know what he's been doing. Eight years. Remember, he got, he got knocked off his uh, horse or donkey or whatever on the road to Damascus, vision from heaven. And then he's been gone for like eight years. He's probably been teaching, but we don't know. The truth is, is at this moment in Acts, this is, this is the end of Simon Peter's kind of era in here. And this is where Acts shoots over to talking about the ministry of Paul. And it starts here. At this movement, because the no-names came down and they decided to share the gospel with a bunch of people who had never heard it before. That, you know what? Jesus loves sinners. The last one is this. A movement from a no-name to a new name. I'm not my own. I have a new identity. We can't stay here. And... Um, we need, uh, we need other people to help us. And the last one is this. I'm not my own. I have a new identity. Verse 26, the last part. Check this out. This is, this is pretty crazy. It was in Antioch that the followers of Jesus were first revealed as anointed ones. All right? In some of your translations, if you, if you have your Bible with you, it probably says Christians. Or it may say uh, Christ follower. Or it may say Christ people. So this is the passage where they get their name. Like, before they tried to give themselves their own names, but how do you guys know you can't give yourself your own nickname, right? I don't know if you ever tried to do that. If you never had a friend that tried to give himself his own nickname, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. People name you your nickname, all right? Just want to throw that out there. So believers are walking around and they're trying to, they're going, okay, well, you can call us, uh, you can call us believers or you can call us uh, disciples or, you know, some of them felt really, you know, uh, uh, high about themselves and said, you can call us saints. But nobody was calling them that. And instead, they show up, and the outsiders in Antioch gave them the name Christ people or anointed ones. So the question is, how did the people in Antioch know that these followers of Jesus, how, how, did, how did they know that they were followers of Jesus when they didn't have a label? They don't have a name. What kind of movement is started without labels? There, there are no T-shirts you know, you know, uh, you know, Jesus follower. There, there are no bracelets of WWJD. There are no cross tattoos. You know, there are no headbands. They don't have any identifying markers 
They don't even have a name. So when they go up to somebody, they go, hey, my name's Joel, I'm a Christian. They don't get to say that. They're just, hey, my name's Joel. <laughs> hey, you know, there's, no, there's nothing there. How else would they know? How do the people of Antioch know these people were followers of Jesus? I think it's because movements are easy to see, but they're difficult to explain. It's kind of like fresh air, all right? You're sitting in your office. How many of you guys in the middle of the day, oftentimes, you go outside just to get fresh air? You admit, you go, yeah, I, I, I do that regularly. Can, can you explain to me why fresh air is better? Can you explain to me what fresh air smells like? Can you explain to me what the deal is? Why is fresh air better? What's so good about fresh air? It's kind of hard to explain, isn't it? Now, if I walked with you outside, I'd go, you know, out of the stale air of a, you know, you get off an airplane and, you're, and you walk out of this cabin and you go, man, I could really use some fresh air. Explain that to me. Well, I, I, it's fresh, you know. I don't know. It just, it's good. It's, it's, I like it. Why do we go outside in the middle of the day? What is it? What does it smell like? Um, I've got a, uh, a little bit newer neighbor that moved in beside me. And it's a sweet, uh, sweet lady. She's so kind. She's been so good to us. Um, uh, but the first day that I met her, she uh, kind of gave me her story. She had been married, if I remember right, I think it was over 40 years. And her husband had passed away. And her children uh, lived in the area, but they don't live um, uh, at the house anymore. And so she downsized and, and moved next door and and kind of told me a little bit of her story. And I said, well, look, I said, uh, I, I, I'm so glad that you moved in next door. We, we're, we'd love to have you um, uh, next door. We'd love to have you over sometime. You can come eat with us. I just want to go ahead and apologize, all right, on the front end. All right, there's, there's going to be some stuff in the yard at my house. You know, there's going to be some toys and there's going to be some bikes. And let me tell you something, there's a lot of kids around here. I got three kids who are crazy I got three other kids that live behind me that are even crazier, all right? And then I got a couple neighbor kids who basically are my own. They're all, all at my house every day anyway. It's just, they're, they're, they're all over the place. And so if, if it gets kind of loud and crazy with these kids everywhere, I just, you know, I, I want to apologize. And she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, please don't. She said, I, this is exactly what I need. It's exactly what I need. So we've just been as crazy as we can be the whole time. <laughs> why? why? Why would she say that? Because life. Because, because, of, because of life. It's, this, it's the same reason these sweet elderly people in the nursing home uh, love for you to bring your bouncing babies down the hall and, and in, in, in their room to see them. Why? Because there's life in it. There's, there's, there's life there. Explain it to me. I can't. It's, it's life. Explain to me fresh air. I, I can't. It's just life. Explain to me a Christ follower. I can't. There's just life there. Explain to me this new identity that you have. I, it's just life. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and have it more abundantly, more abundant life. Explain it to me. I don't know. Hang out with me for a while. That's, that's the new identity that these no-names came down to Antioch with, and they didn't have a label. There was no way to explain it to them. They just, it just spread because life, abundant life, Christ's life, is, is absolutely intoxicating. A viral faith is impossible to explain, but it's so simple to see. 
If, if I'm going to go ahead and call the worship team. If you guys would go ahead and come on up, we're going to go ahead and close. So the question is, so where is the life of God moving in your life? And you can't say to me, well, the life of God happened in me years ago when such and such happened, and it was, it was really powerful then, and so now I'm just cruising. Don't, don't tell me the Jerusalem story. Don't, 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 don't have a Jerusalem story. We're looking for an, an Antioch story. We're looking for, we're looking for movement. Where, where, is, where is God moving in you? Movements happen when we're moving. You don't have to sell your house and move to another state, and you don't have to get another job, you don't have to change degree programs, you don't have to change your name or add a title, but you might need to walk across the room, or you, you might need to walk across the street. I had a, um, uh, a, a neighbor for a long time, several years ago, uh, who, who lived across, he sort of lived across the street, he, he was there uh, very often, and so uh, I had been praying for this neighbor, uh, his name's Stephen. Um, I've been praying for Stephen for years, really, honestly, for years. And, uh, and um, I, 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 I talked with him some about faith. But, you know, sometimes you can kind of pick up while you're sharing with someone, and you can just go, you just pick up, you say, now's, now's not the time. It, let's, just, let's just be friends. And so it had been, it had been a long time, and so... I'd shared with Stephen, and so I, I, I was, I'd been praying for him for years, and I just thought, man, I just, I so desperately want to see change. And the reason is, is because there was just so much brokenness there. Um, and, and I've seen, you know, in, in my life and in others' lives, I've seen what God can do with brokenness. Like, that's what he does. He breathes life into it. And, um, and so I remember I was in my house one day, and I was uh, standing in the kitchen, and actually I remember I was, I was doing the dishes. And so I'm washing dishes, and I look outside, and I see Stephen uh, pull up in his car, and he, and he goes in the house. And so I go, man, I, I just wish, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so tired of seeing this. I'm so, I just, I'm so tired of seeing the, 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 the brokenness, and I just thought, God, when are you going to move? When are you going to do something? When are you going to respond? And when are you going to act? God, when are you going to move? And I felt in that moment, I felt like God spoke to my heart, and he said, when are you going to move? You're the one doing the dishes. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, and I kind of felt convicted, you know. I thought, oh, okay, all right, well, here's the deal then. I said, I, I, look, I, I'm, I'm good with it. I'll tell you what, I don't even have anything to say. I don't even know what to say. I'm just going to go outside. I'll tell you what, if you'll make Stephen come back outside and I can see him through the window, I'll tell you what, I'll go outside and I'll make something up to say along the way, and, and I'm just going to, I'm done with it. I'm just going to share with him the, 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 the hope in you. I just don't know what else to do. And as soon as I finished the prayer, the guy walks outside, and my hands are wet, and I go, and I just started laughing. And so I grabbed a towel, and I ran outside and I started picking up junk that's in my yard, you know, from the kids because there's always stuff in the yard. And so um, I started picking up little toys and stuff and I see Steven and, and, and we say, hey, so I meet him at the mailbox. And I said one thing, hey man, how are things? And he goes, you know what, Joel? This is what he said, man, they're not too awesome. Because I, I think I'm ready. I need to change. That was the next statement. I said, okay. So what do you want to do? He said, I, man, I'm ready, I'm ready to come to church with you. The next day, 
uh, uh, he showed up here and um, uh, Jay preached a powerful, simple message on God's love and being a new creation. And I prayed with Stephen at the front and God started something incredibly powerful in his life. In, in that moment, it was then that I realized God is always pulling us into new territory and new steps with him. He's always pulling us into movement with him. Always pulling. We can, we can have that truth. We can have that revelation that Jesus loves sinners. But, but what do we do with it? He's always looking for that next move and that next step. Would you guys stand with me? Everybody stand in here. So if you would, go ahead and close your eyes. I, I want to I ask you a question here as we wrap up. So what is your next move? What is your next step? What's my next step? The, the, the next step, I guess if you wanted to, you could stay in Jerusalem with that powerful revelation that Jesus wants to do a work in you and wants to do a work in me. Or you could move on to Antioch and lean in to the messiness of a new work in God. So maybe for you it's, uh, maybe for you it's baptism. Maybe, it's, maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you go, you know what, it's, it's time for me to take a next step. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's uh, joining a, a group. We'll have a new life group semester starting in just a couple weeks. And maybe for you that next step is, man, just opening up that bank vault of a heart and just letting somebody else in to speak life somewhere in there. I don't know. Maybe, it's a, maybe, it's, maybe the next move is just apologizing to a friend or a spouse for just being absent for a while and confessing that God's doing a work in you. Not looking for any other response, just, just, just from you, just from your heart. I, I don't know. I can't answer that. But the question is, what is your move? What, what is that move? We have a prayer team in here. Uh, prayer team, if you guys would come up in just a minute. Um, we'd, love to, we'd love to pray with you up here for our prayer team. But while your eyes are closed, I want to ask you this question. Are you, are, are you moving? Is there movement? Or do you feel like maybe you're stuck? And, and if you are stuck, that's okay. As long as we say, I just feel like I'm, I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like, I feel like I'm stuck. And maybe you don't know what that next step is, but maybe all it is is you just go, I, I, there's, there is a next step for me so that I'm moving with this revelation that Jesus loves sinners, including me, so that I'm still moving. I, maybe I don't know what it is, but, but you would like prayer this morning. So this is what I'd like for you to do. I'm gonna, I, wanna, I wanna pray for you. But if um, in just a second, I'm gonna invite you, if that's you, you just say, I, I feel like there's a next step for me. And either I know what it is, and I just need prayer to take it, or I don't know what it is, and I just need prayer to find out what that next step is. But I wanna continue a movement of Jesus and the work of Jesus in my life. Because I can promise you this, he's moving. He's moving and he's speaking. God's always speaking. He's, he, he, he's always communicating. Sometimes that phrase speaking can, can be weird in our mind because we think, well, I've, I've never heard God's voice. 
Well, God's not a human. That's spirit. So how does he speak? He speaks spirit. So he communicates to us a lot of different ways, through, through nudges, through other people, in our, in our mind, through, through thoughts. There's a lot of ways. But I can promise you this, God's speaking. He's always speaking, and, he's, and, and, and our response is to lean into that. So, Father, we pray this morning God, that you would open up our hearts to the nudge from you that you have in us. God, we open ourselves to that. We invite you in, God, to move in us. So if that's you this morning and you would like prayer, we're not going to do uh, the hand raise. That's okay. If you, uh, We're not going to ask hands raised. If that's you and you just say, Joel, I just want, some, I just want prayer this morning. I want to know what the next step is. Or I, or I want some encouragement moving in that next step. If that's you, would you just would you just make your way up here this morning? We got a prayer team up here that would absolutely love to pray with you. God, we love you this morning. God, I thank you that you're moving. You're always moving. You're speaking. You're always speaking. God, you're you're nudging. You're always you're always giving the nudge, God. And so, God, we offer ourselves to you in this room at Kingwood Church this morning with this part of the body of Christ. And we go, God, we submit to you and your movement. God, we submit to you, God, and what you're doing. God, I thank you for always speaking. I thank you for always being active. I thank you for always moving within us. God, I pray that you would get us who are in here, God, that feel like we're stuck. God, maybe we just feel like our wheels are spinning. God, that you would get us unstuck and on the move with you. God, we are moving from Jerusalem to Antioch to be a part of the greatest movement in world history. God, we're actually, we actually play a part in that. God, we love you for it. In Jesus' name. We've got a prayer team up here that would love to pray with you if you are uh, if you're still in here and you would like prayer. Otherwise, be blessed this week. Go in the peace and the love of Jesus. Take his hope with you everywhere that you go to work and to your neighbors and to your home. Take his peace with you and share with others that you too are Christ's people. In Jesus' name. Jesus, the name.